This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. men of God, people who believed in God, spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit. So they were inspired by God, and we know when you start reading the book, even a few passages, as a matter of fact, we're going to be blown away with just the first three verses. It's amazing the wealth and all the treasure and all the theology, the doctrine that's written in just these three verses. Today... Pastor Eddie is going to begin his new series in the book of Hebrews. So why should you stick around and listen? Because this book was written under the direct influence of the Holy Spirit. That means it's not only to the believers of the day, but for you too. The Spirit knew you when he breathed these words. And the book of Hebrews is particularly full of deep theological truths that will change the way you see the world around you. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Hebrews chapter 1 as he begins his message, Running the Race. As always, before we begin a book, we like to look at the background of the book. We like to look at the who, what, where, why of the book. And so we begin with the who. Who wrote the book of Hebrews? It's unknown. No one knows. It's long been debated by scholars as to who wrote this book. Who wrote this letter, the book of Hebrews? Some scholars believe it was written by Barnabas. Some believe it was Apollos. Some believe it was Luke, Clement. Uh, while some believe it's the Apostle Paul. We don't know. Whoever wrote the book did not write their name in the book. Usually that's what's common, but I believe it was purposely done that way so that we could focus on, look at the first word in chapter 1, verse 1. What does it say? God. <laughs> and I think that's the important thing. However, we can see pretty much by reading the book of Hebrews, and I hope you have read through it. If not, you didn't do your homework. Just kidding. No, but if you have been through the book of Hebrews, you find that the writer of Hebrew has a great knowledge of the Old Testament scriptures. He understands the temple rituals, the festivals, or he had a deep concern for the Jewish nation. For he himself was not only a writer of the book, a believer, but he is a Hebrew himself. He's a Hebrew. He's a Jew. And based on the information, when you study Hebrews, you find that he's not an ordinary guy. He's not an ordinary Jew. He could have once, we don't know, he could have once been a, a Pharisee, a Sadducee, a priest. Because he lines up the Old Testament scriptures, prophecies, traditions uh, really well. And he points to Jesus. He knows the history. He knows about the, uh, the patriarchs, the fathers. And so he has a good 
knowledge. It looks like he definitely went to rabbinical school, whoever this person was. He had some kind of training and understanding. And most importantly, you can find that he definitely was in the spirit of God in order to put pen to Pyrus to write this letter. Another thing about the author is that we know he's not only a Hebrew, a Jew, but he's also a believer in Yeshua HaMashiach, that's Jesus, the Messiah. He believes in Jesus Christ as the Messiah. And that allowed him to beautifully put together the Old Testament passages, prophecy, and scriptures, and kind of point it to Jesus Christ. Because that's what the Old Testament's about. The Old Testament gives us a picture of Jesus. All these things, not only the Messianic prophecies, but when you look at the temple, the the role of the priest, the sacrifice, it all points to Jesus as the Messiah. And so we can see that he's not an ordinary Jew and not ordinary Hebrew. He's a believer in Christ. And you can see how he connects it all to and points to Jesus with using the Old Testament. The author of of the book of Hebrews, of course, did not mention his name, but he did write God, because it is God who is the author of the Bible. Yes, the Lord used uh, people like Paul, Moses, and uh, Peter, James, and, and Luke, Matthew, to write the Bible, but they were inspired by God. This is something the world does not understand because the Bible says they cannot understand the spiritual things of God. The only way you can understand the spiritual things of God is to have God in your heart. Okay, and so they were inspired by God. As a matter of fact, Second Hebrews chapter 1 verse 21 tells us this. It says, for prophecy never came by the will of man and never came by man. But holy men of God, people who believed in God, spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit. So they were inspired by God. And we know when you start reading the book, even a few passages, as a matter of fact, we're going to be blown away with just the first three verses. It's amazing the wealth and all the treasure and all the theology, the doctrine that's written in just these three verses. So you can see it wasn't written by man. It's impossible because many of these authors never knew each other. 40 different authors by shepherds, you know, kings, priests, prophets. And they were inspired by God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 to 17 says this. All scripture, not some, not portion of it. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete Thoroughly equipped for every good word. It's inspired by God. And so when you start reading the word, you say, it's impossible for a man to be this smart to write the word of God and to, for it to be consistent with all the other 65 books. It's impossible. So we know it's been inspired by God. And so we continue with the who. We don't know who wrote it. Uh, there's some uh, speculation. There's some good uh, reasons to believe some of the people who were mentioned, Paul, Barnabas, but we know it's written, inspired by God. But the other who in the who section, the recipients, who are the recipients of this letter? Well, it's titled to the recipients, to the Hebrews. It was written to the Hebrews. So the book of Hebrews was written by a Hebrew to the Hebrews. Let's look at now the what. The what gives us the theme of the book of Hebrews. The theme of the book of Hebrews is the supremacy of Jesus Christ. 
And that's what the author did, inspired by the Holy Spirit. He points to Jesus, the supremacy of Christ. That Jesus Christ is greater. Jesus Christ is over all things. Jesus Christ is better. As a matter of fact, the word better is mentioned 35 times in the New Testament. Five times in the Gospel of Mark. And five times in 1 Corinthians. However, here in the book of Hebrews, it is mentioned 13 times. Why? Because Jesus is better. Jesus is better than the prophets. He's better than Abraham, Moses, Isaac, Jacob. And so the emphasis points to, and that's what the author's trying to do. He's trying to point to Jesus. He's writing to Hebrews. He's pointing to Jesus. So the theme is the supremacy of Jesus Christ. Now the key verse, there are two Two key verses, it could be three or four, but two key verses. The first one we're going to look at today is in verses 1 through 2 of chapter 1. Stay tuned, we'll study that. But let's look at the other verse. Chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. He writes this, Seeing then that we have not just a high priest, a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. You know, they are known as high priests. In the Old Testament, you read it, high priest, but they don't have the word great high priest. Only Jesus is the great high priest. Verse 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. He understands us. Let us, verse 16, therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. We have unlimited access to God. You don't have to go to a man in the closet. You don't have to go to Pastor Ray. You don't have to go to anyone. Directly, unlimited access to the, to the throne of God. Let us therefore come boldly to the, thr- the throne of God that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so the temple had a high priest, but Jesus is better. He's greater, and that's the point. When he looks at all the Old Testament prophecies, the, the church, the book of Leviticus, and all the you know, religious rules, he's better than all that. So that's the who. We now come to the when. When was the book of Hebrews written? When was it written? Um, it's almost certain that it happened before 70 A.D., A.D. 70 is the right way to pronounce it. But it happened because that's when the temple was destroyed. The temple in Jerusalem was destroyed A.D. 70. And so we understand, based on reading the letter, the author is using the temple and and the the practices and the furnishings as an example. There's no mention has been destroyed. But we find, when we read the book of Hebrews, that the temple is still standing and it's in full use. It's in full use. Now, scholars had believed that it was written between A.D. 67 and A.D. 69. And the reason for that is because... Timotheus, Timothy is mentioned in this book. Yes, Timothy, the son, the spiritual son of Paul. And he mentions him at the end of the book. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 23, he writes this. Know that our brother Timothy has been set free with whom I shall see you if he comes shortly. Sounds a little Paulinish, if you will, right? (laughs) But anyway, it doesn't matter. It's inspired by God. 
Now the where. Where would this, was this letter written? It appears it was written in Italy. Also at the end of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 24, he writes, Greet all those who rule over you, and all the saints, those from Italy, greet you. And so it believes it was written around 67 and 69 AD to it written in Italy. Now let's look at the why. Why was this letter written? Well, you probably gathered some information when we looked at the who, what, where, and when. And the reasons for the letter is to encourage Hebrew Christians. It's to encourage Hebrew Christians. You see, there were many Jews coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And they became Christians. And because they were Jewish Christians, they were subject to intense persecution by Rome and by other Jews. They had, they, there wasn't a place for them to fit in. There were either Jews or Gentiles, right? Those who worshipped the emperor, right? Or you worshipped, you know, the laws and, you know, with, with Moses. So you had Jews and, and, and you have the Romans. But the Jewish Christians, they were being persecuted by both Rome and other Jews. They've been insulted. Their homes have been raided. They've been abandoned, ostracized by their families. Their family has they want anything to do with them. As a matter of fact, they, I read in some section that in ancient times, they would actually hold a funeral when they disowned somebody in the family. So most likely that took place. We don't know for sure. But they couldn't buy or sell. Jews wouldn't sell to them, and if they were selling something, Jews would not buy from them. So they were outcasts. They were even put into prison and some even martyred because of their faith in Jesus Christ. So times were really hard for the first readers of the book of Hebrews. The first Christians that got hold of this letter, it was really hard. They suffered much persecution. Unfortunately, what happens when there is persecution, many of them will start going back to Judaism, back to legalism, averting to the law, to the rituals and practices. And... I like what Walter Martin, the late Walter Martin, who was an apologist, a Christian writer. He has one of the best-selling books, and this is not a plug-in for him because he's with the Lord now, but it's one of the best books you can have in your shelf. It's called The Kingdom of Cults, The Kingdom of Cults. And Walter Martin said this, the book of Hebrews was written by a Hebrew to other Hebrews, telling Hebrews to stop acting like Hebrews. That's pretty much, in a nutshell, what it is. And he puts it really bluntly. That's what it's all about. Not stop acting Jewish. Like, it doesn't mean you can't have matzah, you know? We're going to talk about the culture because right now it's changed since ancient time. And now, oh, you don't want to be a Jew. No, Paul gives a good commentary about that. What is a true Jew? Jew of the heart. Okay? And so he wrote this. And so the writer of Hebrews wrote to encourage the Jewish believers, the, the Hebrews, who, to look at the one who's greater, to the one who's better. Look to the one who's greater than the prophets, one who's greater than the angels, one who's greater than Moses, one who's greater than Joshua, one whose priesthood is superior to that of Aaron, one who served in a better sanctuary. That's not the Holy of Holies in the temple, but the Holy of Holies in heaven. One who once and for all offered himself for sin in a, is superior to the repeated sacrifice of bulls and goats. One who has introduced a better covenant. 
And that's what the writer of Hebrews is going to do. And he said, listen, all those things are but a shadow. All those things that we, we did in the temple, all those feasts, all, everything we did was to point to Jesus. He is now here. And he encouraged them. So the writer was inspired by the Holy Spirit to turn their eyes to Christ, to show how Christ fulfilled the hope expressed in the Old Testament sacrifices and calls his reader to remain steadfast in their faith. Stay the course. Run the race in chapter 12. Run the race. And to remain their faith in Christ, that they would make, it would help them to go through these hard times they are now facing. Now, we will clearly also see when we study this, because when we look at the theme, it also is, it applies for us today, for even there, there's legalism within the church. And, and legalism, by definition, is this. This is the dictionary of legalism. Excessive adherence to the law and formulas. And then we see those teachings within the scripture. Legalism is the position one takes. This is the, the biblical definition and how we would call what legalism is. is one, a position one takes to emphasize a, a system of rules, regulations to achieve salvation and spiritual growth. And we studied that even when we studied the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians also have those that are called Judaizers. They're not legalists, but they're Judaizers. It's called Nomism. Uh, so nomis are like Judaizers. And the Judaizers, aside from legalism, is separate from legalism. Well, Judaizers had the doctrine of Jesus and. Jesus and. In other words, Jesus, the work he did on the cross, and you need to be circumcised. That's what happened with the early church. And Paul had to rebuke them because they were saying, oh yeah, you believe in Jesus, but... And you were Gentiles. They didn't know anything about Judaism. You know, they were Gentiles. They weren't Jews. And Paul says, are you continuing the flesh what began in the spirit? Were you circumcised before you got saved? No, you were saved. And all of a sudden now you're turning Jews. <laughs> now you're wearing yarmulkes and, <laughs> and, and you're wearing a prayer shawl and those things. And there's nothing wrong with that. But some people feel, okay, I got to do this. No. And Paul had to make that clear. You were saved before you were circumcised. You become one with Christ. You're born again, new creation. So there's a Jesus and. And we find that in other cults that, you know, it's Jesus and you need to adhere to the sacrifices. And that's what some of the Jews, the Hebrews wanted to do. They wanted to go back with the sacrifice. They wanted to go back to the temple and bring the sacrifice. And Jesus did it once and for all. Other religions, how many doors you got to knock on? It's Jesus and knocking on doors. Or is Jesus and wearing special underwear? Yes, Mormons, Latter-day Saints, have special underwears that they have to wear. Google it. It's real. It's for, they, listen, they come in different sizes, so if you want to order some. But that's the Jesus and. Obviously, it's a cult. Started, from a, started with a 15-year-old boy who went into the woods. Can you imagine? A lot of the cults actually, you know, birthed out of America. They did. Jehovah Witness, Latter-day Saints, Mormons, Scientology, Christian Science. All these, they, they started from America. We had this freedom to worship God, but uh, freedom of religion. And so what happens is religion continued on with religion. It became that religion. And no one really studied the Bible to see what the Bible was saying. 
But anyway, we see that takes place. So that is the who, the why, the why of this book. And we see that with the Jews. So in the same way, as the writer writes to the Hebrews, he's writing to them, hey, listen, don't avert back. Don't go back to the law. Don't go back to rituals. Those practices, they are shadow of things to come. In the same way, have those in Christendom that, it, that you know, practice excessive, you know, practice to the law, and they miss the point. And that's what Paul is saying. You're missing the whole picture here. Paul says, Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, he says, So let no one judge you. No one condemn you. Let no one. Let no one judge you in food or in drink or in regarding the festivals or a new moon or Sabbath, which are shadows of things to come. But the substance is what? Christ. If I came home from a long trip and Judy ready to hug me, I walk in the door. There's my shadow on the floor. Judy doesn't hug the shadow. She hugs me. And that's what Paul just kind of give an illustration. You're hugging the things that point to Jesus. And the writer of Hebrews is going to do that for us. When you look at the high priest, Jesus. The sacrificial lamb, Jesus. The holy of holies, who's in the holy of holies? Jesus. He's in the heavenly holy holies. Okay? And so it all points to Jesus to give us a picture. The same way when we look at the command and the laws. The law was never given for us to complete. It's impossible for us to even... You know, 613 commandments, we know the 10, but it's 613 commands. We, we can't even keep the first one. We can't keep the first one, let alone the other 612. But it was never given to us to complete and to follow. It was given to us to show us how sinful we are and how holy God is. And to show us that the Messiah would come and he would fulfill the law and the prophets. And it is through him that we become righteous, not by completing and fulfilling the law. It is through Christ. And so, that is the reason for the book. Back to our introduction, we saw the who, what, where, when, and why. Now let us look at the outline of the book of Hebrews. Though there are 13 chapters, it's simply divided into two. 13 chapters, only two sections, that's it. So, uh, the first section gives us the supremacy of Christ. The first section the supremacy of Christ, and that begins in chapter 1, verse 1, all the way to chapter 10, verse 18. Now, you may say, why isn't it broken up in chapters? Well, the Word of God is inspired by God, but not the chapter and verse breaks. But we're grateful. The translators took the time to kind of break it up for us. So can you imagine trying to find a passage in the book of Isaiah? 66 chapters. Oh, yeah, it's in Isaiah. Um, I don't know. In my scroll, it's like 30 feet down. You know, <laughs> you know it's impossible. So we're grateful that they... So the first section, the supremacy of Christ, and that begins in chapter 1, verse 1, ends at chapter 10, verse 18. You've been listening to Running the Race with Pastor Eddie. Pastor Eddie's been digging into the book of Hebrews in a series called Jesus is Better. This book touches on so many amazing things, but really ties in the Old Testament covenant with the New. The author mentions the importance of the high priest and the sacrifices that were made. But the point is that Jesus became the high priest and also the sacrificial lamb for all people. 
Isn't it amazing how Jesus fulfilled all that was in the Old Testament? It's because Jesus became the high priest that now we can go to him for our strength, our courage, and our hope. Another way to come to God is in prayer. Jessica wants to tell you more about this. Prayers for this ministry would be so appreciated. The opportunity for the lost to be reached over the radio is incredible. So please pray for our listening audience and that what's shared will alter people's lives forever. Another way you can support us is by prayerfully considering giving in a financial way. There's a lot of time and effort that goes into producing this program. And we're grateful for all who are willing to come alongside us to support the creation of each program. If you feel led to do this, you can find a Give tab at runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. While you're there, you can find all sorts of information about Calvary Chapel of Milford. And if you're in the area, we'd love to have you come visit on a Sunday morning. You'll find service times and directions on our website, runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks for listening to Running the Race.